to the Real Marathon Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the best in film each and every week. I'm Rob Carraher. And I'm Danny Carraher. And this is the second part of our two-part uh, episode. Well, now it's going to be two episodes uh, about uh, the eyes of Tammy Faye, which we did in the last part. And now this half, we are going to be talking about uh, the film Dear Evan Hansen. And Dear Evan Hansen is a film adaptation of the Tony and Grammy award-winning musical about Evan Hansen, a high school senior with social anxiety disorder and his journey of self-discovery and acceptance following the suicide of a fellow classmate. Uh, So there is a lot of controversy surrounding this film. I think there was a lot of expectations leading up to this film. And so I'm actually going to turn it over to you, Danny, to share with us what you thought of Dear Evan Hansen. And uh, kind of as a setup, I know going into this that your expectations were pretty low and you were not expecting to like this film. So how did it play out? So, yes, I was not expecting to like the movie. And then on top of that, there's the expectations that you see based you have based on uh, people seeing the movie and you hear things on social media about it not being very good. I would say I'm just going to say right now, I liked the movie more than I thought I was going to. Having said that, I still gave it a five out of ten and I'll explain why I gave it a five out of ten. I I almost gave it a six out of ten but I ultimately moved it down and we'll talk about it. But um, I don't think that this was a good adaptation of a play, a musical play. And I think that ultimately came down to, I thought the direction was not good. There's a lot of sequences in this movie where it's just people singing in a room and they don't do anything inspiring with the, where they set those songs. They don't do anything inspiring with the way the camera moves. And a lot of times they just rehash what they did earlier in the movie. And it was, you know, there's there's time and time again, somebody singing around a table and then they do like a quick montage at the end of the song to kind of speed things up. Um, And that, I would say the direction and the tone of this movie uh, were the things that were not working and just didn't seem very inspiring. But the things that made me for a while think, oh, this is a pretty good is ultimately, I, I think that there's about three or four songs that are really catchy in this. And I liked them before I went into the, the watching the movie because I'd listened to the soundtrack before and I thought they were good songs. Um, and we'll talk about Ben Platt's performance overall but his vote specifically his vocal performance is really good and I think in fact all of the vocal performances are really pretty good in this movie and so that's why I I ended up liking it more than I would have I think because I'm a musical theater person and I have that background maybe I like it a little bit more than some people but I still think that there are there are just kind of problems with the way the story came together Um, I think the concept of the story is interesting and it could work, but I don't know that it was fully executed. And I put a lot of the blame 
on the director in this case. So um, there's a lot more to say, but I want to know what you think. Okay, so uh, I, I, I think that there are aspects of what you said that I really agree with. Um, this is not even close to being a perfect film. Uh, and I have over the last few days, because I saw this on Thursday evening, and over the last few days, I've kind of gone back and forth with uh, what score I wanted to give it. I will completely recognize that I have a bias because I really, really love the source material. Um, and I, I love the music to this film. I love the concept because I think that it is talking about something that makes people uncomfortable. And even though it may be sort of extreme, it uh, talks about issues that um, need to be talked about, specifically for teens, that uh, we just try to avoid because it makes people uncomfortable. And, uh, and so that is the part that really speaks to me about this story and why I absolutely love the source material. Now, with that being said, the film is average in a lot of ways. Uh, I, I don't know that I would say that any element is really bad, um, but there aren't things that make you super inspired in terms of the way that it was captured. You're right. A lot of the songs are just filmed as straightforward songs. And maybe the idea behind that is that uh, the director is just trying to um, kind of give the songs the, the platform and let the songs speak for themselves. Uh, and that it allows you to maybe focus in on more of what is being said. I actually think that more so than a lot of musicals, the music in this film or in the, in the source material have a lot to say. That, are quite, that, that make them quite layered because of the different perspectives of the people singing within the, those songs um, in a way that sometimes musical songs are written just to have a song in, in the musical mm -hmm. and the content that you take away from it, there isn't much, it's just time for a song. So they throw mm -hmm. it in. And I, I think that used to be the case for a lot of old musicals. Um, a lot of the classic ones we think about, I don't know that they have as much to add to the, the story that we are, we are telling. And mm -hmm. I feel like the lyrics in these songs do have something to be said. Um, so uh, I, maybe that is the reason that there is just this focus on allowing the songs to play out on screen without uh, a ton of extra creativity. Um, you said that you did not think it's a good film adaptation, and I don't entirely disagree with that. However, I do want to say that um, I thought this, this musical should have a film adaptation because there are things that they can do on the screen that they cannot do on the stage. And because so much of what is happening throughout the musical and when these songs are being sung that um, require you to understand that things aren't necessarily uh, as they are being presented to the characters, 
being able to cut and show something else happening while the song is being sung helps with that understanding and kind of connecting some different ideas of what is the reality for Evan Hansen and what is he is making up. Um, I actually thought that the song Sincerely Me was done quite well because you allowed kind of that fun part of that and it wasn't done in a straightforward way. And they had the intercutting of bringing in this character um, who actually isn't part of what is happening uh, to interact with the characters who are actually um, performing the tasks associated with that song. Yeah. Uh, and so I thought that was probably one of the stronger uh, parts of the film and the way that it was edited and portrayed on the screen. Um, but yeah, as you were saying, there are kind of moments where it feels like the story is slightly disjointed and you just have a song here, right? And then they cut and then they got a song here. And I, I was thinking about that over the last few days but that is ultimately the way that the musical is written. And so um, I, I don't know. I don't know how I quite feel about that. And like I said, because I am a fan of the source material, maybe I'm more forgiving in that way. And it's hard for me to truly recognize that as maybe being a weakness um, because it just works for me. So uh, I, like I said, I jump back and forth between giving it two different ratings. I ended up still landing on giving it a seven out of 10, but I was really thinking about giving it a six. And in fact, this morning I was planning on saying that it was a six, but uh, the two reasons why I'm giving it a seven and why I think that it's slightly above average is I actually think that a lot of the performances are, are pretty good. Um, and you may disagree with me on that, but I actually really liked a lot of the performances in this. And I was a little worried going in that the performances wouldn't work for me. Um, but uh, I did really like that. And then the music aspect of it, I think they, they hit pretty spot on. I think that they cast people that all can sing. Um, and I was really worried about that. I thought We've seen enough movie musicals where they've cast a big name actor who their vocals are not good and they're just trying to make it work and it doesn't work here. Even though I don't think maybe short of uh, Ben Platt that any of the other actors have absolutely outstanding voices. They all did a very good job. And I didn't think, oh man, that's really pushing it. I, I think it worked for the character. And, um, and so, yeah, I have to really applaud that. The other thing is in a lot of movie musicals, the mixing doesn't quite work. And I thought it worked okay here. Um, it didn't take me out of it because sometimes like they'll go into a song and it's so overproduced and feels like it's out of the uh, kind of scene and uh, it, it takes you out of the moment. And I think part of the reason it works is because the music part of Dear Evan Hansen is pretty simple. It doesn't have these overly extravagant uh, symphony arrangements or anything like that so it, it it's more minimal and it focuses more on the vocal performances 
than anything else. And so that's the reason why I think that really works. And, um, but like I said, basically everything else I thought was pretty average. Um, and I don't have a lot to say on those aspects of the film because uh, that's not really what I think this film is about. Okay. Um, I, I think you made some really good points. One thing that I, I think is spot on is I, I didn't even really think about this, but the mixing is really solid uh, and it could have been not worked at times, especially because there are the times where they go from a conversation, like every musical, there is always somebody talking and then it leads into a song and that can feel corny. And, um, you know, it's always going to feel somewhat corny to some people that are not part of the musical theater world, but they did a pretty good job of that in this movie. And then I agree with you that Sincerely Me is probably the best musical on-screen adaptation uh, uh, that they have of all any of the songs. Um, that one works the best because they did something more creative than just had people singing in a room, but also the energy of that song lends itself to that. And so I almost felt like the director maybe was like struggling because so many of the songs have a similar kind of uh, methodical and retro uh, introspective uh you know tone that all of them felt very like just kind of blah you know on screen because you're not he he decided to do the same sequence of putting those shooting those scenes and so i, I those just it, it felt repetitive to me overall. Um, I want to get into probably some of the specifics of this movie right now. And I want to know, let's just focus on uh, performances right now, all the performances together. And we'll start with Ben Platt, um, which is, I would say, maybe the most controversial aspect of the movie. And um, I've already mentioned that I think his vocal performance is really stellar. I think, you know, like he's always going to be uh, great at singing and there's no question about that um, he's got a unique voice too which is uh, like something that I think makes this stand out ultimately though I would make the argument that this movie would be definitely better if they had casted an age-appropriate person uh, for the role and that's not it alone I think Ben Platt tries too hard to play an awkward uh, social, socially anxious teenager, and it just does not work for me. And I don't know how it feels for you, but for me personally, I just wasn't able to buy into that uh, to the degree that I needed to for the movie. Now, there's certain moments that really work, and I would say particular, the, particularly his acting during the songs is really good, but it's when he is in the scenes and hearing him interact with some some of the other characters it just is not quite working and part of that is the tone of the movie kind of feels not quite set but uh i would have i would have liked to see an actor who was closer to the age so they didn't have to feel like they had to try to pretend to be this younger person and it was clear to me he was pretending to be somebody younger i i can uh I, I think that there are some things there that you say that I can agree with. Um, and I, I am not going to fight that narrative too hard. Um, I completely understand that, uh, yes, he is an older actor. 
um, and that that uh, <laughs> that that can be a little bit of a problem. I think that that narrative is being blown out of proportion a little bit because there are a lot of movies where they do the exact same thing and people kind of write it off. One thing that one movie that I uh, feel this way about is the movie Election, where you have clearly uh, much older actors playing the two main high school students. Yeah. Um, and that critique really isn't there. That movie is considered quite good. So um, that alone is is in my opinion, not at like, there's too much weight being put on that. And I think people are, had decided before they saw this movie that they weren't going to like it because of that casting and didn't give him a chance. And I think that it maybe is a little bit distracting at times, but once you let yourself kind of buy into him playing this character, I think it works. Okay. Um, Yes. He is a very awkward, uh, uh, character and this isn't necessarily a um, true to life person. I think that uh, there are some extremes that are represented in this character, but I believe this is exactly how it was portrayed on stage. And so he just took his performance from the stage and uh, made it the same performance for the film. And um, yeah, maybe that doesn't work entirely. Uh, and maybe I am forgiving it a little bit, but part of why I think that I am accepting of what we see here is because yes, the some of the performance stuff that he does during songs is so good. He can capture how he is feeling by the look on his face and the way that he delivers certain lyrics so, so well. Um, that you know exactly how he is feeling. And that is a very, very challenging thing to do. Mm. Um, and, and so I, as somebody who never got to see him on Broadway in this role, the fact that as a fan of this musical that I got to see him play this character on screen um, means something to me. And uh, I, maybe my expectations for how this character was going to be played um, were met because I expected it to be played this way. And so that could be an area where I am uh, far more accepting than the average person. Now, one thing that I have seen critiques about is that the way in which he um, kind of acts around other people is so extreme that nobody would really act that way. But Mm -hmm. I think to an extent it's representing kind of the way that a uh, individual might feel inside and he's doing a little bit of that. Um, So yes, I I am completely willing to admit that um, the performance may be a little uneven and that there are moments where it's a little over the top and too much. But I also think that he does emotion very, very well. And there are times where your heart breaks and because you know exactly how he feels and you empathize with him. And, uh, and he is very strong in those moments. Mm-hmm. I, I think that um, the, I think more of the issue comes for me in terms of 
how much he's doing compared to what the other actors are doing. And I think particularly in terms of the scenes with Caitlin Deaver or Dever, is that how you pronounce her name? Devers, is it Devers? Devers. Um, she is, I think, do, giving a very natural performance and his feels forced. And so that's where I, I stand on that. Um, I, I wanna know about the rest of the cast, what you think of those performances. Um, I, I actually think that uh, Julian Moore gives a really great performance in this movie and um, almost one that I wish I'd seen more of. I, wanna, I wanted more of her character in the movie and I know they cut some stuff from the original musical and so I was kind of like, man, I, I kind of wanted to see more of this, this character because she's really good. Yeah, I think that she is really good as well. And if there is going to be any performance from this film that gets uh, some award attention, I think it is hers. Um, even though she's not in it a whole bunch, she is so believable as a concerned mother. And there's a scene where uh, some details of the film are being revealed that uh, it, it's kind of a... Uh, sort of the climax of uh everything coming together mm -hmm. um and i don't want to ruin it for those who haven't seen it but uh the way that she is taking in what she is learning is so well done mm -hmm. so so well done and her song i actually julianne moore was the person i was most worried about going into this film because i didn't know if she was going to be able to sing well enough to mm -hmm. pull off her song and her song isn't overly complicated and the thing about that song is alone it's not the best song in the film mm -hmm. but the way that it is delivered in this film is so tender mm -hmm. and uh emotional and it comes at a time where as an audience member you are kind of processing through some of the emotions that the film is putting out and uh, I think she hits that that song right on the head and that she delivers it in a way that um, you completely believe it. And she does a fine job singing. <laughs> like I, I didn't have any problem with her vocal performance here. And that song, I think, could, it, I think in a normal year where it wasn't such a packed field, I think that that scene could have gotten her a, an Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actress. It could have, and I, I think that the film isn't isn't being respected enough to be able to be in that conversation, but that's a really great scene. And um, like you said, I well, I, I if it was any, if it was a lesser actor, that song is not special alone, but she made it special. And so it's all about her performance in that scene. Um, yeah, so I, I thought that that performance was great. I think Caitlin Devers does well, a Dever. It's not Devers. I apologize. Dever. Yeah, yeah, it is Caitlin Dever. She does a really great job in the movie too, and she kind of has a tough. I think it's a tough role to play, and this this is going to be maybe we'll talk about this more if we talk about the story. Um, but uh, I I think she has to be able to um, play some complex emotions of the loss of her brother, as well as interest in this character, especially because, and this is just my critique of the way this was written. I don't 
I don't buy a whole lot of why she's interested in Evan Hansen. I don't think they lay the groundwork for that enough. I get why he's interested in her, but I don't really see why she feels the same way. I mean, she says that she doesn't want to make it about her brother, you know, that she likes him anyway or whatever, but there's not clear reason for that. Um, and so, but she still makes it work. And so I think she, she gives a good, good performance and her voice is strong. I mean, it's, it's not amazing, but it's good yeah. and it works for this movie. Yeah. Um, I agree that her performance is very good. Uh, yeah, we can talk about the story here in a minute when we're done talking about performances um, because I think that there are some things to talk about there um, without spoiling too much. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that she is very good. I also think Amy Adams is good, but it's a very understated performance. Um, she's always all right. Uh, but I, I think I was almost waiting for a steam a scene stealing moment and she never really has that in this um and i think that that may say something about how she interprets this character uh as an actress and how she's kind of just trying to keep everything together um and, and you can kind of see that she is a tortured soul under all, all those layers but uh yeah, I think she's she's fine. It maybe was some wasted talent there um, by casting her in this role, but I think she did a fine job. Um, I actually think the actor Danny Pino, who plays her husband, uh, Larry, um, I thought he was pretty good in this as well. Yeah, I think both of them give pretty good performances. I actually think that they underwrote the character that Amy Adams played for this movie, it did not feel like they gave her enough of a, enough to work with. And Larry is a way more interesting character. And that's what makes that performance so great is because you get insight into kind of what his background is with the family and kind of the role he plays. And uh, I kind of, you kind of understand a little bit more kind of why he's reacting the way he is to the death. I, that was another problem I guess I had with this story is I, I didn't, I, I felt like the, the way Amy Adams character Cynthia was acting and it has, I don't think it's Amy Adams fault. I think it's the character, the way she's acting in response to the death is kind of strange. doesn't seem very real. Um, and as we're talking about characters a review that I saw, this was, uh, on Roger Ebert website, it was, uh, I think, Robert Daniels is the reviewer. And he said, none of the characters feel like real people. And um, I don't know if I fully agree with that, because I think Julian Moore's character feels like a real person. I think Evan Hansen feels like a real person. But I sort of feel like the Amy Adams character doesn't feel like a real person. And the Caitlin Dever character doesn't feel like a real person uh, just it, because you don't really understand their motivations for what they're doing. And it's not clear why they, they are acting the way they are. And um, they, they don't, it just, it, I had trouble believing that any real person would behave the way that they are in certain sequences of the movie, you know? And I don't know, I think they needed in order for us to feel that way 
and, or to, to understand that they needed to build the character of Connor up a little bit more before we reveal that he died. You know what I mean? So we yeah. had to, we need to get a sense of kind of how, what his dynamic was with his family. We don't get any of that before the, he dies. You know what I mean? But in the actual stage musical, I believe the opening song is partly sang by the two mothers and it's about their sons and you would get more of kind of how they feel about each other before the character is out of the story, you know? Yeah. And I think maybe that does hurt the, the musical a little bit. They did write a couple extra songs for the film that weren't part of the stage musical. And I think they work all right in the film, but uh, there are two songs that they cut that I really wish they had it. And the one is the opening song um, where you do get that uh, kind of representation of these family dynamics, which I think is, and I think this maybe is a good segue here uh, into the story a little bit. Um, but you lose a little bit of what is a big part of this story um, by not having that opening song kind of juxtaposing uh, these two situations mm-hmm. um, because so much of this storyline is about fa- family dynamic yep. and how that plays out. Um, and so I, that did disappoint me a little bit. I, I understand why they maybe chose to cut that song because they were trying to make it much more of a focus on Evan Hansen. And that opening sequence is slightly disjointed, I think, from the main story. It's kind of a prologue in a way uh, to kind of set things up for Mm -hmm. what throw us into a story. Um, And maybe that doesn't translate as well to the screen. But uh, I think they could have done it and they just chose not to. Um, The movie only comes in at uh, two hours and 17 minutes. And for a musical, I think that you almost have to understand that they're going to be longer. And so you could have kept those songs in there and it wouldn't have made it that much longer. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, as long as it's under three hours, I think that people can be accepting of a movie musical being a little bit of a longer movie. You just know that that's the way that musicals are written. And uh, so you can have that acceptance. So, yeah, I think that you are right that um, that probably pulls us out a little bit and that motivation isn't there entirely. And as I, I, I keep coming back to this, because now that we are entering into a era where they are making more limited series of things and um, these mini series, uh, this is a story that probably would benefit from allowing uh, more character development from everybody's characters and that you could make a mini series out of this story and get a lot more buy-in because each character has their motivations play out on the screen. A lot of what we see is only the motivations of Evan Hansen. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's fine. And, but maybe they, attempt to show us something from the other characters but don't give us enough and that's where it doesn't entirely work yeah i i really agree with what you said about it being working as a limited series i mean not a musical but the story story alone could work that way um out of curiosity what were the added songs um so there is a song by the uh, character alana beck um the anonymous song okay 
And then there is a song toward the end of the movie that I don't want to ruin kind of it. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, But that song was not written for, uh, was not written as part of the musical and it was added. And that actually changes the story from uh, the source material a little bit. Like we get an added element, but it is adapted from the book which was written after the musical. Um, so the book, the book, uh, it, it adds that element of the story in a little bit more. Um, it's slightly different. It's not entirely the same, but uh, uh, I thought that it was an okay element to add in. And um, it maybe Hollywood's it a little bit more than kind of the rawness of what I think the story uh, actually does in the musical. Um, because I think one of the things that I love about this story is that it is messy in that, uh, we're not trying to, um, glorify anything. Uh, and one of the critiques that I've been seeing a lot about this movie where there's so much hatred and it irritates me because it is people projecting the way that they see the world onto, other people's experiences mm-hmm. um, is that uh, the actions that Evan Hansen takes throughout this movie should not be praised or in any way. Like it almost, they, I think people feel like this film is forgiving Evan Hansen for some of the terrible things that he does throughout this movie. And I don't think for a second that it does. I, mm-hmm. I believe entirely that consequences there are consequences for the actions that take place and that it it's just a very complicated story and there are people that don't like the character of Evan Hansen because of the decisions that he makes but I think his motivation for making those are all there Mm -hmm. and if especially maybe, maybe I understand more because I get to work with teens on a day-to-day basis that teens will do some pretty extreme things um, because they need something, some desire to be fulfilled because Mm -hmm. that's what's in front of them. And they're willing to do that despite the fact that there could be consequences for that. Um, And so even though the situation, what happens is very, I I think is extreme and that the chances of it happening are very rare. Um, It's not as blown out of proportion as some people would want you to believe. We have hoaxes that happen all the time that they play out, we watch them play out, and then we find out that things aren't quite the way that, that it, it seemed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to try to make it seem like this wouldn't happen is kind of silly because we see it happen all the time. And I can, far, I can have far more empathy for a teenager who is pretty messed up, um, has had a lot of things not go right for them to make these bad decisions than an adult who knows better. And I think that's part of what makes this story um, so meaningful to me is that it, it takes these people in all of their um, kind of character flaws, uh, but 
recognizes that people mean well. A lot of times they make decisions that are bad decisions, but they don't do it to be malicious. They entirely mean well. And that's what we're seeing play out on the screen, I think, is that almost every decision that Evan Hansen makes, he makes because he has a desire um, for relationships Mm -hmm. um, that are absent from his life, but also he's trying to be a supportive person and do something for the people around him, something that they need in those moments. And I think that is a super powerful message. um, And one that I think people need to be a little more open to is that uh, sometimes the decisions we make in life, we make them for we, we make bad decisions for reasons we think are the right reasons. Um, and uh, especially if you are a person that has a lot of mental health issues, um, sometimes people get into desperate situations. And uh, this story to me is something that I think will resonate quite strongly with teenagers um, as a character that uh, probably a lot of kids can relate to. Um, And even though he may be an extreme version of some of those traits, uh, I think it's important to talk about those things and say, we recognize that there are a lot of messed up aspects of the teen experience. And uh, there are going to be kids that are kind of left out and uh, that makes things even more complicated for those kids. Um, but there, there is hope and that there are ways to kind of rectify some of these things. And I think about a lot of my kids and how they have different family dynamics than what we have and what some of their peers have and how some of these kids, they just long to have a quote, normal in quote family dynamic and uh that to me is very very powerful here and uh why this story resonates with me and why i think ultimately beyond the film aspect of things this story will resonate with a lot of people for many years to come yeah i can't disagree with you on any of on any of that i i think that i saw critique saying that the Evan Hansen was an unlikable character and and I I don't think that he's unlikable I think that he's compelling because he's doing something that uh allows him to get out of a desperate situation I think the issue with the story I don't think there really is much of an issue with the story I think there's an issue with the execution of the story and I think that uh some of that comes down to performances sometimes some of that comes down to direction and some of that comes down to dialogue um i think lyrically there are some weak points in this musical uh we talked about the first song that you um anonymous i think that song is not worth adding to this this musical i think that there's the the lyrics are not memorable um, I understand what role it plays. I understand what it's saying, but I think that lyrically it could have been far more compelling. 
um, it was too on the nose. Um, and they do a reprise of it uh, at one point in the musical and they just repeat the same thing that they've repeated five times already. And so felt a little more Annette. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I, I just, I felt like that was unnecessary. It was definitely a net esque in the way that it just repeated the same line over and over. Um, Before, before you move on, I want to make a comment just about that song. And I agree with you that it is one of the weaker songs as is the case. A lot of times when they make a movie version of a musical, the added song so they can get a potential Oscar nomination um, is usually one of the weak points. Um, with that being said, I think the messaging behind it uh, is it means well. And I think that there is a reason that they they put it in there because it makes that character of Alana Beck, who is overall not a very important character in the musical. Um, I think that it adds kind of this extra motivation to why she is involved in all of this. Um, that is more personal and isn't just kind of her being this go-getter type of character that is sort of uh, represented in the actual musical. Um, even though it doesn't, the song itself doesn't say that much. Uh, and it's, you're right, it's a little too on the nose. I think it still does add that kind of uh, extra motivation. They could have done it in a different way. They didn't have to do it through the song, but I think it makes that character of Alana Beck a little bit more interesting. I'll let yeah. you kind of continue from there. Sorry. Well, no, you're good. I, I think that, unfortunately, I think the music is better than the lyrics in this musical. And that's true of the source material too. I think that the three best songs are... Um, for forever. I think yep. that's a great song. I think that uh, I think that uh, the song he sings to Caitlin Dever um, about like what he thinks. I think that's a great scene. Um, if I, could, if I allows, could tell her, yeah, if I could tell her, I think that's that's a a good song to move the plot forward. You know, uh, and I think I, I like songs that do well, that. So. Um, that, but I think, hang on, hang on a okay, second. Okay, I yeah. think the song that everybody talks about that's really good, but I think lyrically is honestly maybe not that good as Waving Through a Window. I think that it it's almost so abstract that it it feels, and it, it repeats itself so much that I'm like, this is a great song, but like when you're telling a story, I just kind of want to get going, you know? And, sure. and it, it feels like it just retreads the same thing a bunch of different times um i that song i think is it is not my favorite song in the musical uh i think it is a good song um but yeah it's all about the metaphor of it and uh i i can i can appreciate it. i probably don't dislike it as much as you do there um but uh i i i can understand why uh it maybe rubs you a little bit the wrong way Um, Because you're right, it is a pretty abstract song, but I think it's an interesting way to, especially if you're thinking about it from the standpoint of mental health, and um, it's an interesting way to kind of talk about some of the uh, concepts of how somebody who feels isolated um, might process uh, some of these ideas. But yeah, I I understand kind of what you're where where you're coming from. Uh, The reason I for forever 
and um and if i could tell her uh those songs are probably my two favorite songs in the musical and that is entirely because it the way that they are being portrayed within the musical depending on the perspective is completely different because mm -hmm. the characters that he is singing to yep. are interpreting it in a different way than he is interpreting it and that doesn't happen a lot in in songs and so i think that they're complex in that way um and this is where having ben platt play this character really works because he by create because he essentially created this character he originated this character and uh he understands the motivation behind uh what he is telling and what is playing out in these songs and uh i think that both of those songs are top-notch musical songs and some of the better songs that written for musicals simply because of that element and you can see on his face in the way that he is processing it that it means something entirely different to him than uh than it does for the people he is singing to in that scene and in particular in for forever that song makes me really emotional almost every single time that i think about it because this is it is a representation of his dream and kind mm -hmm. of the life that he wishes that he could live um and for the people he's singing it to it is a comforting song because mm -hmm. it is a story that gives the the their son a character of i mean it gives them a kind of humanizing element that they've been longing for because they mm -hmm. haven't been able to feel that um so i think it's a very very powerful song and i think it is the best song in the movie um it is a trend for, that i've noticed that it seems like a lot of musicals have their best songs in the first act and then the second act is is more so focused on the story that for some reason the, the songs aren't as good anymore and I don't know why that happens, but it feels like it happens all the time. And I'm like, I, it, it's always a bummer because after like the first four songs, you're like, well, I heard the best songs of the musical. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. So, I, uh, yeah. I, I kind of tend to agree with that. Although you will be found is a pretty good song. Um, it may be a little on the nose, but uh, it's the big kind of mid oh. number in the middle. And it's, and it's a really good anthem, I think for, um, mental health and uh yeah i think that is probably i mean other than waving through the window i think you will be found as kind of the uh main song from the film let's talk about the way they portrayed that sequence uh, in the movie what do you think of how they did that um it was a little awkward uh and it felt a little extreme um and i can see <laughs> In a way, it was slightly cringy, um, but it, it the way that it ended up eventually transitioning to the song, like everything leading up to it, I'm just like, oh, this is like, it makes me super uncomfortable because nearly everybody is handling the situation in a bad way. Um, and I, I think part of why you feel the way that you do is because um, you you understand that 
people are mean and people will make fun of uh like especially teenagers they will make fun of each other in other teenagers moments of weakness um but uh yeah i don't know that it was handled in the way that it probably should have been Uh, i think there were a lot of problems with the way that that was handled but as soon as it switched to the song it was kind of like okay all right good (laughs) now we're in a in a comfortable place and uh yeah that that actually was probably my least favorite part in the entire film was that moment i would say that moment and then the song i'll explain why the song didn't work for me but that moment the pause is so way too long and i'm like he's gonna sit there on the stage that long before he stands up and does something and amy adams is just gonna give him a re- reassuring smile yeah. like yeah. i'm like if i were anybody if i were a, a teacher and i like at that school i would have been like all right i would have like gone out there and helped him because it was just like yeah. way too long for him to be just standing there it was awful um then uh the reason why the song didn't work for me i don't have anything against the song but it was corny how they did like all of those like people singing and then it made the uh the picture of connor and i get what they're doing but i'm like this feels low budget this feels like so low budget i'm sorry but it, it just did not work for me i i don't entirely disagree with that and part of what they were trying to do is they were trying to capture what they accomplish on um on the stage because they do some the the way the stage production and i haven't actually seen the stage production i've seen uh like parts of it but i have not like set, actually been in the theater and seen it but the way that the stage production is done there's a lot of abstract uh, kind of more new age representation with technology because technology is a huge and like social media is a huge part of this story. And uh, so they, I, I think it works better on the stage, the way that they represent a lot of what we are seeing take place in this sequence. And it's like they were trying to do that on the screen, but with the screen you have the ability to do basically anything you want and so uh they could have done it so much better than what they actually did mm-hmm. um and so i yeah i think you're right that it doesn't really entirely work um i can appreciate the kind of sentiment but um this is i think where it comes into that the direction wasn't necessarily very good here and uh that it's missing its own tone like the film doesn't have like you never get the sense that uh what's his name who is the director uh steven yeah uh, steven spasky um you never get the sense that he is putting his own footprint on this at all uh he's just like this is a beloved musical and I'm going to put it on the screen. Yep. So it, it feels disjointed because of that, um, that the director isn't trying to have any influence on what we are seeing. Um, and he's just trying to find ways to take what, what worked on the stage and be able to put it on screen and make it work for, uh, for the screen. And so 
I think that's where it probably kind of falls a little flat there. Um, but overall, I do think that is a really pretty good song and it's catchy. And uh, I, I understand why it is one of the more popular songs in the film. Yeah. Um, and again, like I think all of the music is pretty good in the movie overall. It's just some sometimes the lyrics are not where they need to be and how they execute it was not where I wanted it. Um, I have kind of a, a couple different uh, final thoughts before I kind of send it to you um but i think one thing that uh this is this is a a uh nick pit of the of a lot of different movies but i bothers me when movies do thing right right sequences where things start to trend because it, it always comes off as corny to me I don't know why it always does, but it's like, this has 20,000 views, you know, like, and it just is like, it's just too much. And then the other thing that this movie does multiple times and other TV shows and movies have done it too. But when some news breaks and everybody gets like a text at the same time or gets an update and it all happens at once. And then it's so clear when it happens and yeah. one actor's like, what's going on? And I know they're trying to show it in a visual way or like show the impact of those sorts of things. But like, I'm like, gosh, that it just is so dang corny when that stuff happens. It's, cliche. it's so cliche. And and Dear Evan Hansen's not the only type of movie that's done this. A bunch of other movies and TV shows have done it, but it bothers me every single time I see something like that. Yeah, I, I can, I, <laughs> I, I don't disagree. Like, I think that there is a corniness to it and it's, Without a doubt, it's not creative at all. No. It's it's a element that that they are trying to. It's just trying to get the information. Portion. Yeah, but it's used so much that it just it, it, it's almost laughable. I agree yeah. um, with, with that sentiment. Um, as we kind of wrap up this conversation, I just want to sort of leave our listeners with. Uh, he thought about this and I feel like this film and you can disagree with me um, but I feel like this film is receiving uh, a lot of critique that is more extreme and it's not fully deserved um, because people I've there was so much buzz leading up to this and with the trailer coming out with the fact that they cast Ben Platt um, and the fact that this is a Tony winning musical. I think that uh, people went into this kind of deciding a little bit whether or not they liked it prior to actually watching the film. And so there's a lot of extreme critique out there that I don't believe is entirely fair. Um, that is not to say that this is the most amazing movie ever. Um, I'm not going to go the other way on this. I think my critique of it being in that kind of range of a six or a seven is a fair critique um, for something that overall I enjoyed more than the number that I am willing to assign to it. And it's the sort of movie that I will watch again um, simply because it's just, I, I, I love Dear Evan Hansen. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so I, I think people need to go into this movie um, with an open mind 
and not let other people's opinions about things influence the way that they interact with it. Mm -hmm. You may not like it and that's fine, but it may speak to you in a way that it doesn't somebody else. And something that I have seen as a critique is there are a lot of people with mental health problems that are really hating on this movie because it doesn't fall in line with their experience with experiences with mental health. And I think that is unfair because mental health does not fit into a box where everybody experiences the same things. Mm -hmm. And as somebody who struggles with my own mental health, um, I think it is important that we are telling stories about mental health and humanizing um, characters that are struggling with that. Uh, and, and kind of providing a, a representation of um, individuals that may that many of us may share certain uh, traits with, and that uh, we get to see uh, some of these um, experiences play out in a way that have never really played out on screen before because uh, people are afraid to talk about mental health. Um, and so my hope is that whether or not that is you, uh, if you like the music from this film and you like uh, kind of the source material for this film, I think you will enjoy it. I think that, it, that there's nothing about this that if you are a huge fan of the musical that you think that, that, that will, you'll, I don't think you'll hate this. I don't think it's going to be a situation where you're going to be upset with what you see on the screen. Um, but I think that it does have an opportunity to reach people that haven't seen the musical and they will connect with it uh, just as much um, because it does give them a platform to think about a lot of the things that they are feeling inside of them. Um, and that's why I think this is a really important film. And like I said, I think teenagers are going to really resonate with, with this and there will be a lot of teenagers where um, this is going to be probably one of their favorite movies just because it, it talks about things that they want to hear movies talk about. Um, so it is my recommendation that uh, if you like musicals, that you see this movie um, and kind of make up your own mind. Don't let other people's opinions about it uh, decide for you whether or not um, you should be able to see it. Uh, because we're going to have various opinions simply because it is a more complex, uh, I guess, I think it is more complex because it is a musical. So just on that basis, there are going to be people that hate it um, compared to others. So that's what I'm going to say about it. Gave it a seven out of 10. Uh, right now you can only see it in the theaters. Um, but even if you don't see it in the theaters, if it's on streaming services down the line, I think it's worth checking out. Anything else to add to that? Are you good? I second what you said. I'm, <laughs> I'm, even though I liked it less than you, I'm never going to tell somebody that they shouldn't or should like something. So that just check it out for yourself. All right. Perfect. When we come back from this break, I think there are a few movies that we saw in the last couple of weeks that we want to maybe just touch on briefly um, and kind of give our opinions about them. I think they're movies that each of us only, I don't think we saw any of them 
both of us, I don't think any of the titles both of us have seen, but uh, uh, we're each going to individually kind of talk about it. And we may ask some questions of each other just to get a better understanding of what these movies are like. So stay right there. Welcome back. Uh, we wanted to kind of set aside some time to talk about some movies that we have uh, seen over the last couple of weeks that are some new releases and that uh, be, they're not getting their f- own full show, but uh, I figure people are going to want to watch some of these. And so uh, we thought we would talk about it. So the first one is Cry Macho. Uh, this is Clint Eastwood's new film, and it is about a one-time rodeo star and washed-up horse breeder uh, who takes a job to bring a man's young son home and away from his alcoholic mother. On their journey, the horseman finds redemption through teaching the boy what it means to be a good man. Um, this is a movie that uh, I kind of went into it expecting that it could be just about anything. Uh, I feel like Clint Eastwood has, it's been a while since Clint Eastwood has made a really good movie. Um, a lot of his movies are very hyper patriotic. And uh, to be honest, I've been irritated with a lot of the movies that have come out more recently from him. Um, so I didn't necessarily have high expectations. Um, but I thought this could be maybe an, an intriguing plot. I was also very interested in kind of the political uh, part of this, um, as well as if they were going to portray the Clint Eastwood character, because he directed it and he stars in it. Um, but I was interested in whether they were going to make the uh, kind of this, this main character into a white savior. Um, cause it felt like it was setting itself up to have that be the case. And I was, there were things that I was very disappointed with in terms of this movie, but there were also things that I thought were pretty good. And so I ended up giving it a six out of 10. The current IMDb rating is a 5.9 and it has a 60 meta score. So I'm about right there um, with everybody else in terms of uh, what we thought of this movie. Um, Clint Eastwood is actually pretty good in this movie. Uh, he's, you you kind of get what you get with Clint Eastwood, um, but there are a few scenes that I think he is in particularly really good. There's kind of an emotional scene. Um, that pulls in some background information because you start to learn more about this character as the the movie goes on and kind of why he is who he is and uh, the the character that he plays is far more human than I thought it was going to be I thought it was going to be a far more stoic character um, and more of that typical Clint Eastwood style person that's hardened and even though it is sort of that, um, it's a little bit more layered than I was anticipating. And there's a moment in the film where it kind of flips and it turns into something that I wasn't expecting it to be. And that was a really pleasant surprise because I thought I had the story figured out before I even saw the movie and kind of what it was going to be like. And it didn't in, end up being entirely that. Now, 
Here's the thing about Clint Eastwood movies. He is not interested in getting making a perfect movie. He just isn't. And, uh, he started to work with more amateur actors. And when you do that and you're not interested in making a perfect movie, there are some really cringy scenes where the dialogue isn't good enough. Um, in fact, the dialogue is really bad in certain places. And then when you add on top of that, uh, actors who are not very good at acting, um, it, it just feels not good. Um, and there are times you're just like, oh my gosh, this is really, really bad. Um, so I think at the beginning of this movie, I thought that I was really, really going to hate it because it was not heading in the right direction. But once it hit that moment um, where things kind of shift shifted, I started to enjoy it a lot more. And I think that they got into a little bit more of a rhythm and the chemistry between these characters um, began to play out a little bit more on screen. Uh, so I, there, there is that aspect of it. Clint Eastwood, um, he, at times, his cinematography is great. Uh, he does some good things with editing at times, but it's so uneven in this movie. Uh, it, there are times where it's absolutely beautiful, but then there are times where it's just kind of standard and there's nothing special about it. Um, and so it's like he is very thoughtful about what he's doing at certain points in time but then at other times he just doesn't care and he's just it's like he just wants to get the scene done and put up on the screen and fear that he may die before it's <laughs> all said and done so i mean he's getting up there uh but like he he is notorious for being able to just crank out a movie in a very very short period of time they have a short shooting schedule and then i think that Probably in post-production, they don't spend a whole lot of time on getting the films edited and put out. So um, overall, it's worth checking out. It's on HBO Max right now. Um, and if you're looking for something to watch and uh, you, you don't have a ton of high expectations, uh, I think that this is one that's worth watching. Um, but I wouldn't say that you need to rush to, to go see it. Um, just there's too many other good things out right now to make it a huge priority. This is going to be hard for me to want to watch. I'm just going to be honest. That does not seem super interesting. Um, as a testament to Clint Eastwood, just take just having far from flawless movies is you ever uh, see the in American Sniper how he had a, a fake baby yeah. in the scene and with uh, Bradley Cooper and. Apparently he also only does one take. Yep. That's Which is did. why you get bad scenes because the acting isn't very good. Yep. Most directors would be like, that's not good enough. We're doing it again. Yep. So, I mean, he doesn't, he clearly does not care about the quality of his movie that much. If he's doing that. Just trying to get to a certain number of movies before he kicks the bucket. Yep. I'm just, I mean, like if you, if that's your philosophy, then you don't care. I'm sorry, but you don't. <laughs> Um, uh, do you care if I talk about my movie? Go ahead. Uh, the Courier is the one that I watched about a week ago, and it is movie starring Benedict Cumberbatch. It's uh, about a Cold War spy named Greville Wynn, who is actually just a businessman that they recruit essentially 
to uh, communicate with a Russian source about um, the Cuban Missile Crisis, and it's a way to end the Cuban Missile Crisis. And um, I like these types of movies that kind of give me, show me a slice of history uh, from a perspective that I don't know. Um, and that's what this movie's all about. It's, it's from a British perspective. Uh, Rachel Brosnahan plays an American spy in it who's involved in this as well. But uh, it's all about uh, the role that Benedict Cumberbatch's character plays as he kind of is at first hesitantly involved in this uh, plan and then sort of um, gets more invested as he get, builds a relationship with the uh, Russian source that he's uh, interacting with. I felt like this is, uh, was, uh, you know, kind of your standard historical drama and um, it did have quite a lot going for it in terms of the performances. I think the performances are really strong. I think the tone is really good. Um, yeah, I ended up giving it a, se a seven out of 10 because I, 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 it's a lot of times I give sevens to movies that I don't have a lot of critique for, but I don't have anything that I think is outstanding about it. And there isn't a lot that I can say is um, terrific about the movie. Um, this movie was directed by Dominic Cook, who um, you know, more recently directed a movie called On Chesil Beach with, uh, I, I believe that was also Rachel Brock. Oh no, it was Saoirse Ronan. Saoirse Ronan was in that. Uh, and, you know, I think he does a fine job of being able to edit this story together because of having to kind of shift between the different uh, regions of the world and then also be able to kind of move, move the plot forward in a way that is feels like it builds intensity because it kind of has to feel like a thriller in a way of the way they put this story together and um, I'm also just reminded watching the movie that Benedict Cumberbatch is just a really good actor I think he's honestly underrated uh, I forget that he is maybe one of the better actors working right now and um, this is just another a case of him having a great performance so I'm really excited to see Power of the Dog because of this movie it got me that much more excited um, to see it but I would recommend if you're interested in you know Cold War type history and if you want to see a pretty solid performance um, this movie is one to check out. Um, I, I do have a question here I'll ask in a minute but uh, I, I wanted to say that I hadn't heard that much about this movie and for the cast that it has, um, it kind of feels like it fell a little bit through the cracks. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is having a big year. He's in several movies this year and this is kind of by far and away the one that's getting the least amount of buzz. Um, I generally think that he is an excellent actor as well. And uh, I, I think his, his role in Power of the Dog is probably going to land him a Best Actor nomination, um, potentially even winning Best Actor, kind of depending on how things play out. But um, the question that I have is about Dominic Cook, because uh, I, I have seen uh, one of the parts of his series the hollow crown which is a kind of adaptation of some shakespeare plays and i thought that the cinematography that in that film was very very good and i'm curious if you thought there was anything special about the way that the courier was filmed and if maybe he just used a different cinematographer 
um, for the hollow crown and made that a little bit extra special. I felt like this was, there was nothing to really write home about, about with this cinematography. I think that it had um, a clean look to it. It, it felt so driven by the story and the performances that it wasn't, it, it didn't use that as a spectacle. I, I think the set production was strong. And so it's just really relying on those environments. And also I would, it's such a heavily edited movie in the way they use edits that they're not trying to put together these, you know, elaborate shots. They're really relying on the rapidness of the uh, storytelling to kind of get the story moving. So I, I thought that was kind of where, if anything, uh, technically that I was going to praise, it's probably the editing in the movie. All right, cool. Um, so the last movie that I'm going to talk about before I let you kind of finish the show out um, is a film called The Killing of Two Lovers. Uh, this is technically a 2020 film that is an indie flick, and uh, it didn't quite get to us until this year. I had been it'd been on my list as a movie to rent for a while, um, just because it had received pretty high scores. It has a seven on IMDb and an 83 Metascore, and on a list of movies that have come out this year thus far it was toward the top well a few weeks back they put it on hulu which kind of gave me no excuse uh, to finally get a chance to watch it and so uh a couple weeks ago i ended up watching this and um the premise of the story is david desperately tries to keep his family of six together during a separation from his wife they both agree to see other people, but David struggles to grapple with his wife's new relationship. Um, I believe this is a Sundance film from a couple uh, Sundances ago. Um, I'm, I, maybe I'm wrong on that, I, but I thought that it, yeah, it, uh, yeah, it was it was for tw the 2020 Sundance Festival. Uh, this was a film, and it felt very Sundance like. And so the thing that this movie has going for it. It is definitely not a movie for everyone. I would not recommend this to the average moviegoer because there, it, it takes a little bit of patience. Not a lot happens in the film. It's very rich in dialogue. It's very rich in just good performances by specifically um, the main actor, Cling Crawford. Um, I think he is pretty fantastic in this movie. Um, but what the movie does so so well is it creates a amazing tone we take we talk about dear evan hansen and how it lacked tone a little bit um the director robert um Machion, i don't know if that's how you say it i i apologize uh but he uh he wrote and directed this and the tone is so spot on in this movie and from the very first scene which i'm not going to spoil um because it's an intense first scene uh it sets the tone for the movie and you feel it the entire time um this is a pretty short movie it's only an hour and 25 minutes uh so it it's not going to take up a ton of your time uh but the thing about this is it is a sort of typical story of marital problems but it is told in a unique way 
and it has a slightly different dynamic. And I am all about uh, kind of lifting up films that are original in the way that they portray certain ideas. They don't keep kind of falling back on the same cliches that we see play out on screen over and over and over again, even though the idea of marital problems pops up over and over and over again. I've never seen anything quite like this. And I really, really liked this film. I think that it looks good. Uh, I think that it is acted well. Um, I think that it is an interesting concept. Uh, and so I ended up giving it an eight out of 10 uh, for anybody who um, just really likes good film and wants kind of a more challenging uh, cinema experience, um, I would highly recommend watching this. Like I said, it is on Hulu. Um, so if you end up starting to watch it and you don't uh, care for it, you could always turn it off. Um, but uh, it, it's not going to cost you anything extra. Um, but I, yeah, I would highly recommend watching this. Um, and I'd be interested to know what other people think about this film. So, Clayne Crawford and some of the other actors are people that I haven't really heard much of. And I haven't heard Robert Machone or Machoine or whatever his name is. Uh, do you foresee, I, can't, I mean, can you imagine any of these actors going on to do anything big or this director doing something? Well, I, I would be very interested to see another film from this director. And uh, yeah, frankly, these, I mean, they, I, I presume that I don't want to call them amateur actors because they're, they're probably professionals and this is what they do with their life. Mm -hmm. um, but I would be interested to see them in some, maybe some bigger projects because I think that they're all very good natural actors, especially as I said, Clayne Crawford. And then the woman that plays uh, his wife, uh, Sepide Mawafi, um, once again, I, I apologize. I'm, I hate I hate when I can't pronounce names nicely. So, uh, but yes. Anyway, uh, they are both very good. Um, the character of Derek, who's played by Chris Coy, and is the uh, other lover, um, he is very unnerving, <laughs> and I don't know that he's particularly a great actor, but it works for this film, um, and he does a good job of being a very unlikable person, uh, and so yeah, it's, it's just a very interesting dynamic, and um, you're, you're rooting for this character of David so much because he is a complex character, and uh, yeah, I, I, I just think it was a fresh take on something uh, that gets done a lot, but uh, was very worthwhile. Okay. Sounds like one that I'd be interested in seeing. Yeah, I think, I think you would like it, Danny. Good. Um, the other movie that I watched this, uh, it wasn't this week, it was last weekend. Um, it's called Candyman, uh, the horror movie that was a remake of the 1992 um, Candyman, or this is actually kind of referred to as a sequel to that horror film. Um, but it has to do with uh, the uh, kind of gentrification of this area in Chicago. And um, I 
think that this is a movie that unfortunately adds so many layers to the story that it does not uh, actually grapple with what the metaphor is of the movie and the way that um, black people tend to take the blame for white crimes or acts that white people do that put pe black people in positions where they are taking the blame for certain things. And, uh, and so me even saying that's the interpretation of the movie, I'm not even 100% sure on because of how messy this movie is and how uh, unclear it is about where it is trying to go. Um, I have something I want to say about that. I think that uh, this is a movie that has fallen victim to our current obsession with making everything part of a connected world and explaining everything. And in Marvel movies, you always have to explain the backstory behind everything. And there's nothing left up to the imagination. There's nothing left up to mystery. And in a horror movie, when you explain everything, it's not scary anymore. And it just becomes you trying to scratch your head and think about what the story actually means and what uh, is the the significance of what you're watching. And so then it became really confusing pretty quickly about how they were adding detail after detail and they kept adding new layers that complicated everything. And then that complicated the metaphor of the movie. And so I just think that we uh, need to get away from feeling like we have to explain every little background detail of these types of movies and just leave it up to be ambiguous because that's so much scarier than giving all of us the knowledge of this behind the character. Um, so that, that was an issue. This is actually a pretty well-directed movie aside from the story. I think the story is what held it back. The performances are good. There's a lot of really unique ways they've decided to shoot the movie and the Candyman kind of um, monster, if you call it that, he is um, not visible. Uh, you can't see him other than looking in the mirror and they set up lots of shots where you see his reflection in different ways and the way they move the camera to kind of always have a window or a mirror somewhere where you can kind of see him in the background. I think that was an effective direction uh, move as well as uh, the cinematography. And um, I was impressed with Nia DaCosta in this movie. And I think that I'd be excited to see her take on a project where the story was a little bit stronger um, and I'm kind of bummed for her that kind of this big movie, uh, one of her bigger movies, uh, isn't getting as good of a response because of, of that story. So um, if, if I still think that this is worth checking out. If you're a fan of horror movies, it's not the scariest movie by any means, but it kind of makes you think about something that uh, a lot of other horror movies might not uh, get you to think about. Um, it's still messy, still has some issues, but it's worth checking out. Would you end up giving it? I gave it a six out of 10. Oh, so not terrible. That's pretty, I mean, I think that's kind of in line with a lot of horror type movies too, that they're not going to be your favorite movies. There's always kind of a little bit of a mess to them, but, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'd be interested in seeing this movie still. 
Um, I'll probably wait till it's on a streaming service or to be able to rent for a little cheaper. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I would like to see it. I think there are some interesting aspects to it. So uh, that are, those, those are some movies that we saw that did not get their own show, but we thought were worthwhile to talk about a little bit here. Um, next week's show, we are going to continue with our Wes Anderson uh, marathon and do Isle of Dogs, which is the last movie before we get to um, the French Dispatch a little bit later in October. Um, so I'm excited to finally watch this film. I haven't seen it yet. Um, and we'll, we'll start to close out our, our marathon um, starting next week. All right. All right. Have a great week. Um, and maybe go see some of the movies that we talked about today. Uh, and if you do, um, let us know what you thought. See you next time. Thank you.